In this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, what is the Node Security Platform? Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I'm your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is Node Security Platform. Joining me today to help answer this question is not the actor from Firefly, Adam Baldwin, but the team lead at Lyft Security and the founder of the Node Security Platform. Adam, how are you? I'm doing great. I like to think of myself as the malicious actor, not the not the TV actor. <laughs> Although the TV actor, his character was kind of a malicious actor. Uh, true. I Chaotic guess. good, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Terms. So one question I want to get out of the way, because um, I find this and it's a little confusing, but is it the node security platform or the node security project? Ah, so there's a little bit of an interesting uh, story there. So the node security project was the original name uh, for things. And uh, up until about a year ago, it was the node security project. And we started the node security platform as a way of sort of monetizing and keeping afloat the project. Um, and about a year ago, we donated the node security project designation and uh, they became the stewards, the, the node foundation uh, became the stewards of sort of the open source advisory data uh, that we were uh, handling to sort of take on some of the load from, you know, reporting of those, you know, handling of those triage and things like that for the ecosystem uh, as well as, um, uh, you know, sort of dealing with just the logistics of, of, of all of that and to incentivize some other security companies to kind of contribute to that, sort of data set. So that we sort of like dropped the project designation and, and adopted the platform designation just as that was sort of our uh, enterprising piece, right? It's kind of trying to, you know, have a service around it to uh, still, you know, contribute to the community, still contribute to research and, and things, but have a, uh, have a framework uh, where we can, you know, monetize just to keep things, keep the lights on, keep things going forward. Okay, so what what got this platform started, and and like what got you into doing it for Node? So, probably five years ago, um, uh, I was working with a company called Andiet, and they were they build software, right? So they were building products, and they were starting to build in Node, uh, and Node was you know just fresh out of the gates. I think it was zero point four, very new, uh, and you know we we had to figure out what were the security sort of considerations, concerns, like, is, was this a horrible idea? You know, what, what were going to be the ways that these applications were going to be attacked? How did we secure them? Uh, it was sort of this new frontier, right? It was very bleeding edge. And as we sort of started doing that, the research took, you know, started just started going down rabbit holes and uh, being involved in the community and attending developer events and meeting the, you know, meeting sort of the core contributors and meeting, uh, you know, those, those key people. And then the research project sort of like spawned out of, out of that, um, that, uh, got inspired a bit by the, there's a Ruby security kind of gems project that kind of started similar timing and kind of got inspired to say, okay, well, if we're going to audit, uh, sort of modules. And, and so the node, node ecosystem is built on this sort of concept of small composable modules. If we're going to audit these modules and these applications and, and things, we need a place to sort of like coordinate those efforts. And that's what sort of spawned the node security project uh, initially. So what, what did you know that node was going to like grow as much as it has? 
Uh, obviously, no one can predict the future, man, but uh, right. uh, it, it's really when you saw developers using it, right? Like, and it, being able to sort of like take the skills from the front end, right? Hey, I know JavaScript. Now I can apply those sort of writing server applications. I don't have to context switch. Um, there's a term that was used early in Node. Uh, I think Max Ogden uh, created it. Called, uh, it's Jiffa Sniff. Uh, JavaScript is fun, so Node is fun. Um, and that's what you. That's what I saw when developers were using it. They had, uh, they could build things rapidly. They enjoyed using it. Um, of course, you know, the other side of the fence, right? So I've got one foot in developer land. Um, the other foot is the security side, just kind of wondering, kind of what you know, what the heck are these these developers doing? <laughs> you know, how do we secure this thing? But yeah, I had no idea that Node was going to blow up like it did. Um, but uh, so yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I like about Node um, and working with it in my day-to-day job is is because there seems to be, and correct me if I'm wrong here, if you don't get the sense either, but like Node is is giving security a priority. Like, and it's not just in the NSP. I think that's part of it, but it's it's you know they seem to take security seriously and want to have it within uh, the language framework, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that it's. A- it's a two-sided uh, blade there. Um, so I go to I go to a lot of security events, and I you know as soon as I bring up uh, JavaScript on the server, I get a lot of dirty looks, uh, <laughs> right? Because JavaScript is bad, right? Right. You know, right. Uh, uh, you know um, Matasana wrote you know the paper years ago about JavaScript crypto and things, and that that those those feelings hold true to a lot of security practitioners, and and there's two sides. Uh, um, to this, whether there's the node core side and there's the ecosystem side. So node core uh, being JavaScript on the server, right? So you've got uh, uh, JavaScript, uh, basically you have V8 plus some IO, right? So you can do um, file system IO and network IO and you know all that fun stuff. And then you've got the ecosystem side, which is the NPM registry, uh, which holds over you know half a million small modules composed of just open source maintainers um, th- that open source maintainers created to, so that you can just sort of like stick these things together, right? And so you've got both these two sides of things and you've got, so you have two sort of distinct problems that you that you know you can apply this sort of like we're taking security seriously to. Uh, Node has gotten stability through the foundation, the Node Foundation. The, the, the Node.js Foundation uh, has a, you know, a team of people backed by, you know, sort of like companies throwing money into the foundation and, and resources to have uh, people focused around security, right? There's a core security team that uh, triages vulnerabilities and pays attention to when new open SSL issues come out or gets, you know, uh, notified about Jenkins vulnerabilities, right? So that their build chain is is secure, right? There's people that definitely do take those things seriously, Um and that that have a passion for making sure that those APIs are uh, are sound and, and secure. And then you've got the other side. So you've got the foundation on one side and the core, and on the other side you've got npm Inc. Uh, and the npm registry. And uh, the M- npm registry uh, takes sort of security seriously in, in terms of like um, 
they get regular pen tests. We do uh, Lyft Security does all their their auditing for them from their penetration tests, uh, as well as code reviews on a weekly basis, right? So all the code that they're shipping forward to support the registry gets audited, and they they take things seriously there. Uh, where things get a little bit interesting is the content policing of the registry. Uh, you know, if somebody publishes a, a, a malicious module, how do we find that? How do we squash it? And how does that get policed? And uh, because they are a company, right, they're, they're incentivized to keep that a sort of safe place. And, uh, you know, they have a terms of service and, you know, that they sort of uh, adhere to as well. So not only is the registry itself delivering, uh, you know, packages with integrity, uh, you have um, also uh, th- uh, you people, researchers like myself and, and others that uh, look through that sort of sandbox of half a million modules trying to find, uh, you know, malicious or abusive you know, modules. Yeah, I think NPM even instituted recently two-factor authentication for publishers, right? Yep. Yeah, two-factor authentication as well as uh, read-only tokens that you can use for, like, continuous integration and things like that. Right. So what? So I guess we've kind of talked around what this node security platform is and kind of what it does. But, like, I, I guess mm. internally, what is it? Like, what is it actually? <laughs> what would you say you do here? What would you say you do here? So I take the advisories and I give them to the engineers. It, it literally is what, what we do. And so, so at the core of it is a tool called NSP. So NSP, uh, which can be installed with NPM, NPMI, NSP-G, uh, and you can run NSP on your project, meaning you could run NSP check uh, in any directory that has a package JSON file. That, and that package JSON file defines all of the dependencies right, that your project needs and those dependencies, the dependencies, all the way down that giant sort of like iceberg of dependencies. And it runs through that list, compares it against the database, spits out a report that says, you're, you know, you have these sort of known vulnerabilities, uh, or these module versions have these known vulnerabilities. Now, again, that doesn't mean that you're, they're exploitable. It doesn't mean that you're running a particular method or using it in a way that is exploitable. It just gives you that, that sort of like, you know, hat tip of like, here's some interesting information. And that's where things started out. Uh, so that's the, the core of what it does. Uh, the service side of things just automates that so that whenever a PR pull request comes into GitHub, uh, it gets automatically checked and it gets automatically checked nightly or when we add new advisories. So that's the that's that pitch. Uh, and the rest of it's just sort of uh, really... Uh, a justification for me to do random research projects and try to make things better for the node community. So that's kind of what it is. Have you seen it mostly integrated as something that checks during pull requests or have you seen it in other areas within the development life cycle? Cause that's, I mean, NSP is where pull requests is where I've, I've always seen it, but I'm wondering if there's other cases where you've seen it. So we see it used in a couple different ways. Um, if I had to compare um, the number the number that I know of, of downloads and checks that come in for our service or like our SaaS platform versus say the NSP CLI, uh, I think people are plugging in via continuous integration. So as as their CI runs, whether that's on pull request, on you know production deploy, uh, that's where it's getting downloaded and run. Uh, you know we're somewhere between four hundred and five hundred thousand. 500,000 downloads a month uh, for the NSP CLI. Um, and we're doing, I think, you know, millions of checks uh, per month. So people running NSP, 
and the thing is, we don't really keep metrics on that, so I don't know where in the life cycle they're doing that. I just know based on the numbers between the SaaS and, and, and that, that where people are running. So typically it's going to be in your CI process. Um, but uh, yeah. All right, well, so are you seeing developers institute this? Or are you seeing like security teams coming in saying we, we should use this? It's developers uh, for the most part. Um, developers that, you know, I think sometimes mandated by security, but uh, it's just individual developers. They want some sort of, you know, heads up on, on security uh, the best they can. Um, yeah, security teams have a, a big challenge there with, you know, they want to know they, they're you know developers are coming to them with this rapidly prototyped uh, system. They're pulling in modules. They're like, I'm just going to pull in this thing, and really it brings in you know 50 software packages, and they need to audit those. Um, and that's a that's quite the challenge. And so this at least gives them a little bit of a heads up as to yeah, maybe something's there. Um, there are some problems with that though. Um, specifically it tells you the negative, right? It tells you if there's a known vulnerability. It doesn't tell you if I personally audited uh, some module and didn't find something. Uh, so that's a, definitely an information set that we're missing that I'm sort of, I'm working on some experiments to, to fill that in. Uh, it's quite challenging though. So are you, are you talking about like false negatives where you check for something and you, know, I mean, you just don't find it? Well, as an example, if you, if you run NSP check on your project and it says no known vulnerabilities, that that's great, but that doesn't mean that you just might be using modules that nobody's looked at. Right. right? Yeah, so, that's kind of what I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's a that's a challenge. Uh, you know, I can tell you at one point in time, I audited uh, the entire registry for sort of like command injection vulnerabilities, but that was that moment in time, and that's since long past, right? So. So, so is this something you're doing by yourself or is there like a team or do you accept like outside help from people who are just like, I want to look at this or people who just report stuff? So it started as a, so it started as a open source project. Um, it's basically just my random musings. Uh, there's Lyft security basically supports it with our team. So there's, uh, there's three of us that, uh, that do and handle sort of this research operations to tool building and all that stuff. Um, and that's kind of like a little bit of a downfall of the project early on was I didn't the, – the original point of the project was we'd, we'd scour the registry for sort of like interesting points to look at. We'd surface those vulnerabilities to sort of like a group of people to look at, and then we'd vet those and collect that data. Well, random people were involved, and I didn't trust those people, right? So uh, it was kind of my fault. I think that we could have been a lot bigger of a project. Um, had I not sort of taken it private because I, I was, wasn't sure how to build a system in which I had to vet people to, to kind of be involved in and, and, you know, open source development versus open source security is kind of very different. And so I didn't want to just sort of like drop these sort of like O-Day vulnerabilities out there and have them linger. I, I, I very much felt like I wanted to follow sort of responsible coordinated disclosure and I didn't trust in people and that's what made it kind of drive it private. Um, I think that in the future, we're going to change some of that and some of your trust in the community a little bit more um, to scale a little bit, right? Right. So, so, so that actually leads me to another question of like, is this something when you find something, is this reported to the author? And then like, I, I and I, yep. I, I'm kind of hesitant to go in this because this can be a little bit of a, you know, debate and I don't want to debate here, but I'm just curious about your process for when you find something, because this is not your stuff, you just can't go and necessarily fix it. 
Yeah, so we've done a few different ways in the, in the past. In general, we email the author. Uh, they say, cool, uh, I'll get to that. They fix it. Uh, we've had some people tell us, uh, I can't fix that. That's a really hard problem. If you can pay for my time, I'll fix it. And I say, well, I can't do that. Um, and then we've had other companies, uh, we've sort of generically asked on, on say, through our like Twitter feed, hey, we've got a vulnerability of this class. Is there any company that's kind of willing to sponsor some dev time to try to fix it, uh, especially if it's something serious? And and we've had a number of uh, companies uh, step up to sort of fix fix issues. So that's worked rather well. Um, and in general, most, most authors are responsive. And then we just have a kind of a we don't necessarily strictly follow it, but we kind of, we say that we've got kind of a 45 day timeout window. You know, we're not dealing with operations, operating systems here. Uh, you know, this isn't like, you know, zero day initiative stuff. Uh, and so we kind of just time out after 45 days and we'll just, we'll kind of just publish. And then usually what happens after that is that pressure gets pushed on the, on the issue tracker for those authors. And then they end up getting pull requests kind of brought in pretty quickly. So that's good, that's, that's, and that's not a bad way to do it. I think it's a very reasonable way, particularly with uh, with uh, what you're trying to accomplish here. And it, and you know, I I, I kind of have to applaud you in the fact that like it's it's uh, it's not something that you know I I, I just I, I'm seeing the kind of struggles that you kind of deal with just dealing with like a project that's pretty much ultimately free. Yeah. Um... That's definitely a challenge, you know, in, in getting support. Now, we have had a lot of support from NPM in terms of, uh, you know, we integrate our data within a number of different vendors. And so that data feed uh, has has become a source, you know, a, a source of a little bit of revenue to pay for server costs and things like that, right? So, um, you know, it's it's not paying for the whole team, but it's doing uh, it's doing okay. That's good. That's good. So say I have a junior dev listening to this episode. What, how would they actually implement NSP into their process for their pull requests? So for pull requests, the easiest way is just to sign up on nodesecurity.io. And once you do that, you'll auth with GitHub and it basically gives you a list of your repositories and you can just enable it to be checked right there. That's the easiest. If you've got private repositories, it's a bucket repo. There's my shameless plug. Uh, but you know, if barring that, uh, it's just a it's a CLI that you can run, and so if you're using Travis or Circle or some other CI, uh, they're going to let you sort of run those those scripts um, from inside your NPM process. And so, typically, what I'll tell people is you add an NSP check as part of your uh, package JSON NPM run scripts, and then you just configure Travis to NPM run you know NSP. Uh, and then it, depending on how you want, you can have it sort of just worn or you can have it break the build, um, depending on sort of what your level of tolerance is. And then, and then the devs, once they see that break or worn, they, they go, they go fix yep. it. Yeah. And, the, and we do have like a push button, you know, for, for the nodesecurity.io service. It's kind of like if we can bump the top level dependency to a specific version and have that fix, um, We've got sort of like just a push button, you know, receive, you know, it adds a commit to that pull request. Uh, and then, of course, your CI, your test should run as part of your CI and see if that broke anything or not. Right. So there's a little bit of automation there, uh, which is nice. But, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, yeah, I feel like it's very 
auto automatable automation really easy for automation yeah is so what um what's what's the vulnerability you feel like you see the most in these npm modules yeah it kind of depends on what you look for they're all over the place in terms of um what they do and how they're implemented right there's no sort of barrier to entry for 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 who's building these things so we see things all over the place from from um you know, command injection, SQL injection, and uh, regular expression denial of service, however, seems to stand out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because regular expressions are so easy to use to solve the problem. Uh, they're really easy to write, uh, sort of like, you know, poorly constructed ones. And it's really easy to cram user input into them. They oftentimes take, you know, untrusted user input to do things. And so we see that a lot. And because it's running on the server, um, you know, a, a catastrophic, you know, a regex, uh, with user input, can you know, you have a single event loop. You block that event loop. You create a denial of service condition. We do see that uh, a lot, um, and uh, you know that's one of those things that uh, uh, there is some tooling out there. Uh, there's it's not perfect uh, on the Node Security GitHub GitHub.com/slash/NodeSecurity. We've got a set of ESLint rules um, that'll sort of like find some of those you know bad regexes. Um, and uh, using a library called Safe Regex from Substack, again, there's there's some false negatives in there, uh, as well as false positives. And uh, but it's it kind of hints at you know what you could uh, uh, what you should look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and another one um, that I feel like I feel like has become more prominent, but maybe this is just uh, something I haven't been paying attention to much. Is is I feel like there's more typo squatting going on and like malicious packages. Oh I'm yeah, taking that. Recently, yeah, if, you, if you talk about that side of things, right? I was I was talking kind of code level. If you talk mm-hmm. sort of registry uh, level, sort of you know vulnerability, uh, for sure, typo squatting uh, is big big uptick in that. And the reason being is because anybody can publish malicious code to the registry. You have to get somebody to install it, however. Right. Uh, in the research that I did, oh, probably four years ago now. Um, uh, Isaac from NPM gave me the HTTP logs from the registry. And so what I did was I generated typos for the, for the most popular modules. And then I looked in the logs to see, uh, which ones were 404ing and, uh, you know, just to see what, what people were trying to install, uh, but failing. And so what we found was modules with punctuation were the most commonly, uh, going to get typoed, right? That's what because pe- you don't know if it's copy script or copy dash script or ugify mm-hmm. js or ugify dot js or underscore or whatever. So um, that's what we found, and you know other people, um, you know we've seen that we've seen that in Py- you know it's not unique to the npm registry, right? Like it's right. you know it's domain names, phishing. We've seen it with uh, you know PyPy. Um, it's just it's a really good way to try to trick some uh, developers into uh, you know, installing some malicious code. Now, what those malicious modules do is all over the place. Uh, recently, we've seen people using uh, uh, typo squatting for crypto coin mining, right? For installing Coin, coin Hive, right? Right. So, uh, and that's just kind of like a whack a mole uh, thing. We've got some, right. uh, we've got some interesting indicators uh, and some research that we've done by instrumenting uh, Docker containers, so we can take the modules. Any module that's got an install script or, you know, we require it, we, we instrument the container 
uh, we record, you know, all the network connections, all the, you know, file reads, all the, um, you know, DNS requests, and just trying to get a picture of what they're doing, similar to, you know, what you're going to do with threat hunting, right? You're looking for those sort of indicators um, and trying to see, oh, why does this thing talk to, uh, you know, a, a host that is not GitHub and not NPM? Well, that could be an interesting, uh, uh, you know, module to look at by hand, so... So, so are, what what tools are you using to find some of these vulnerabilities? So, for like, well, oftentimes it's some some poorly cobbled together bash scripts, uh, <laughs> which is you know some of the best tooling. Um, you know, for for instrumentation, a tool like Sysdig, right, that can uh, do like all of those those magical things of, of getting all those syscalls gathered, uh, and then but that's a massive amount of data, right? Like, I think the the 27,000 modules or so that have install scripts generates out uh, something like two and a half terabytes of data, uh, just raw data. And then you have to distill that down into the information that you want and then, you know, uh, process that. So uh, that's the tooling that we're working on, um, exposing that data uh, for security teams to be able to just kind of query and see reports on and things like that, that we feel would be interesting outside of like the known vulnerability space. Uh, other tools, um, we got some, like I said, we got some kind of crappy ESLint rules that give us some, and then again, grep, grep's magical, right? You just grep, grep code for childprocess.exec, uh, or exec, right? And you're going to take a look at it and that gives you your hotspots. You can quickly auto by hand. Okay. That's cool. That's interesting. So what's on the roadmap for NSP? Well, some of the stuff I just talked about there with regard to sort of like getting some of that new deeper data sets kind of exposed. Uh, to the world, I want to. I want to do that. Um, I think for me, um, and then seeing you know getting getting our, our our stuff you know a little more tightly coupled with with npm right just to uh, try to help them um, you know figure out how to you know get better signals for what might be a malicious package say on publish right um, that that's a that's something kind of in my uh, bucket list. Okay, so what resources are available for learning more about NSP? Uh, let's see, we got NodeSecurity.io, our Twitter uh, Twitter feed uh, is twittercom security. Um, we've got some resources linked on the website. Um, Rising Stack uh, has some good sort of articles on like you know the checklist for Node mm-hmm. security, uh, things like that. They've got some good stuff there. Okay, is there anything else you'd like to mention that we haven't already discussed? I think the I think I'm going to plug uh, npm to you know not a plug but I'd like to encourage anybody using npm get that two factor auth turned on also set good passwords uh, you know, <laughs> I, man you know I, I hate to say it we haven't we haven't progressed past you know bad passwords uh, well at least don't publish it either in your code don't publish it don't publish <laughs> your tokens um, you know don't publish your dot env env file you know but. But in all seriousness, um, you know, we've had module authors where it's like you're using a, an insecure password, using a password out of RockU, um, you know, breach, like, and then we, we reset it and then it, and then they reset it back. And it's like, all right, you know, we're, you're, people rely on the code that, that you're writing as an author. And, and so if, you know, people are relying on your code, let's, you know, try to have some good security practices. Let's, let's be big boys. Yep. Is that a good password? <laughs> like that. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I hate to have to, you know, sort of like, you know, preach that advice, but I think, you know, we just need to keep beating that drum.
We're going to be doing that for a while. I, I yeah. hate to say it. I know people want to stop giving that advice, but we're going to have to, unfortunately. Yep, but I think that's that's okay. We just we just keep on. So. Yeah, yeah. So what would you like to plug? Oh, man. Um, I think for for me, uh, I've been doing a lot with Keybase lately. I really love Keybase. It's a great plug for me. Um, they're building some some really cool tools that are just, it make, makes uh, sort of crypto approachable for the masses that would be my plug um i thought i had something else but i don't i guess so well, what, what are you on you're on twitter uh twitter, website uh, shameless shameless plug for me uh, my twitter is adam underscore baldwin uh you know liftsecurity.io uh you know for all your application security needs there's my shameless plug awesome well adam thank you for joining me to discuss what is the node security platform thanks tim thanks for having me on that will do it. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.